Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to discuss everything that happened on last week's episode of Friday Night Smackdown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw and Smackdown, but also NXT, AW Dynamite, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Michael Hamplett. Michael Sidrick enjoying a well-earned week off. But Hamplett, we are here to talk about SmackDown and uh, a show that was just all over the shop. Some great stuff, of course. The return of Sasha Banks, I really enjoyed that. Uh, Roman Reigns, as good as ever. There was contract signing carnage and all that Stuff we did, bigging up Baron Corbin, saying what an exciting potential storyline we've got here. And it's gone. Yeah, we joke often. I say joke. We know. They listen. Um, Sometimes it's to confirm what we've spoke about the podcast. Sometimes it's to make goddamn fools of us. Um, I inadvertently, muscle memory, as we talk about sometimes, uh, logged onto Twitter very briefly before I was able to catch SmackDown on Saturday in the usual space I try and make for it. And then immediately had to get off again because the very first thing I saw was somebody like politely calling me a mug for all the praise I heaped upon the Baron Corbin stuff (laughs) on our preview on Friday. Um, I feel like I'll be forced to suffer the consequences of comparing this to WWE's all-time greatest era, just 12 hours before the WWE out of it. This, I, as you point out, this was a show that giveth and tooketh away. And it's probably best in summary to call it like that rather than to just bury it out of hand. Yeah, let's dive into it because it's better to go through this sort of chronologically. John Cena, of course, comes out to open SmackDown, which actually did a pretty bad viewership. It was below 2 million, but then that will happen when you've only advertised, I think, one match and a contract signing in advance. <laughs> ridiculous that they've got shows back out on their own and they're still only doing that sort of thing but anyway um they do the whole recap of uh cena's challenge reigns turning it down finn balor the previous week uh again reminded everyone about the missionary position comment uh and cena began by saying well if you can find someone who can keep missionary position entertained for two decades yeah keep them in your life um cena points out reigns rejected him takes on balor's challenge instead and uh Talked about Reigns mocking him for wearing the same gear, doing the same entrance for years upon years. And Cena said that would be akin to 
changing him would be akin to changing The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin. We get some clip of typical John Cena comedy bits here. Uh, but then Cena turns up the heat. He, uh, he says, well, Roman, you have to change every two years because the fans just don't care about you and you don't believe in yourself either. He says Reigns is just a stooge named Joe that used every gimmick there is. And uh, Reigns is afraid to face him because of how he'll make him look. Then Baron Corbin interrupts. Cena barely recognizes him initially. Uh, Corbin apologizes for interrupting, but says, I'm having a bit of a tough town. I've tough, tough time. I've got uh, I've lost my crown. I've lost my money. Uh, don't know who I am anymore. And I can't perform anymore does that mean wrestling or in the bedroom who knows uh, because of my groin injury i suffered last week and therefore my wife has left me cena asks the fans if he should help baron corbin a mixed reaction it's fair to say you know mostly mostly cheering few boos which i suppose is the right position for this baron corbin character uh and so he says you know what you go, you go just you can have whatever i've got in my pocket it gives him a, a few few dollars and Corbin says, is that it? And I need more than that. Can you not, like, give me a role in the Suicide Squad? And so he says, well, thanks for the thanks for the mention there. Suicide Squad uh, out this week. Very nice little, little corporate synergy there. Mm. And Corbin is just apoplectic that Cena won't help him anymore. Uh, he calls Cena uh, selfish, a tight wide, and a Hollywood sellout. So Cena rolling back the ears, Michael Hamlet gives him a teachable moment and hits him with an attitude adjustment. What do you make of this opener? Yeah, that's like one of them old USA Network adverts, isn't it? Like John Cena attitude adjustment, Barry Corbin must be summer because <laughs> there goes a hot Corbin run. Oh man, this was all over the map, wasn't it? Um, I don't want to labour on this any more than I feel like we probably already did on other previews and reviews, but. Ultimately, what will always be the undoing of a character that has legs in this Baron Corbin gimmick is that WWE are not the company to tell this story. They're not. They cannot resist a bit of poor shaming, um, a bit of Vince McMahon live in-person poverty porn that he can book himself, where like this Hollywood millionaire superstar pro wrestler giving $20, like is a bit tight. At least give him a hundred so Corbin can be tight and can call him tight. Like, I get that. I get this gag that, like, Corbin still, like, is kind of being a bit of a dick to people. Even when they're helping him, he's just... It's, like, ingrained in him to be an arsehole that even when people are trying to help him, he just... That's been the gag every week, and a lot of the times it's been quite successful as well. And then the first time they didn't do that, it was with Kevin Owens last week because he was just legitimately shocked at the kindness of another human mm. being that maybe it had changed him. So this undid all of that. And why did it undo all of that? Uh, because ultimately, like, they couldn't get one week of him getting hit in the balls with a cannon before getting too penetrative intercourse. <laughs> like, that is where Vincent Mann's head always goes. And what... Like, was the kindness that Baron Corbin suddenly learnt last week only in his dick and it got knocked out by that tank? <laughs> because, like, I don't know why they took that back step for Cena only giving him $20. Like, it was a little bit illogical. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't know, maybe that was just me. I uh, Some people, like, noted that there was a bit of an overreaction to this, but I thought this was, like, a huge step backwards. Again, like, it's ultimately... Rick Boogs is on one end of the spectrum and John Cena is on the other, but the same message applies. If baby faces are abusing 
this guy that is on the bones of his arse, then WWE are instructing its audience to mock the guy on the bones of his ass. That will always be the way until it's heels, until it's the dirty dogs coming and mugging him for his $20. Absolutely inspired. Like this character will always be presented incorrectly. And then with what would happen later on, I'm again at odds because I quite like how you've weaved a couple of things, you know, as you say, best to kind of cover this chronologically, quite like how you've weaved one thing into another. WWE are at least trying to do that. But again, the upcoming feud is only going to position Corbin further as a heel. And I, I just think you're really, you're wading through tree like, we'll do a bit on Corbin later if it's all right, because I just want to touch mm. on Cena and Reigns as well, because I think you're right. I think like the, there's some bombs lobbed earlier on and then the messaging was kind of lost because of this Corbin stuff. Is it because we covered it so recently on the five-star review view available on our Raw review, which is on our podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts, or did this steer way too close to the 2017 John Cena Roman Reigns material for what they need to be doing right now, which is just preserving one guy is a good guy, one guy is a bad guy, and at SummerSlam Roman does to Cena what Brock did to Cena and just batters him for not realizing that he's no longer on his level. This felt like a throwback I did not want for this angle. Yeah, I mean, like I liked Cena's comeback in terms of saying the like, missionary line was great. Yeah, like what a smart comeback. Like, but. Yeah, it is. They're, they're, they're treading a dangerous line here. You know, I, I want to heap some praise on Roman in a bit, but mm. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, like you say, it's, 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 it's neat. All this felt very, very needless. Like, absolutely have Cena come out and say, well, you're just do- dodging me because you're scared of me and what I sort of represent. You need the whole stooge name Joe thing as much as it popped a few people on the internet. I don't need that, right? And then, like you say, surely have seen us say something along the lines of, oh, I hear there's a contract signing later on. Maybe maybe I'll uh, keep an eye on that because they always go one way. And yeah. like, you don't need this Corbyn stuff. Have Corbyn do a segment backstage. Like this was just all designed to be like, oh, it felt like something from a house show that they put on TV. And that's canon now. Like a house show, you can have him come out and go, oh, it's a bit cheap. AA, there you go, pop the fans and put him in a match because nothing really matters with that in terms of dark matches. But surely have seen it go, oh yeah, I'm really sorry, mate. I've only got like $20, $100, like you say, on me because of my jorts and do make a little bit of comedy out of it. And then have, yeah, have him this week rather than getting mugged be tricked out of it by something by you know mm. i don't know it could involve the dirty dogs it could involve bloody sammy zane something like that to just make him make you not pity him but think oh bloody hell he just he just can't catch a break this guy whereas you just like oh what a knobhead and then he gets hit with the attitude adjustment and i don't know they just felt like it went completely off the rails with the the corbin stuff this week I know we're dancing all over this promo as well. We're kind of going off the rails straight away. But the Cena, again, like the echoes that bothered me about the 2017 was is that they were informed by this like, inconvenient truth, weren't they? Like Reigns hadn't become the guy in the way that WWE had wanted. So Cena could hone in on that. The idea that, oh, every two years you've got to change it up because people get bored of you. Like that's bollocks. Mm. That's bo- like, like people universally love the tribal chief. Like, this has been a resounding success. This has been probably the most effective year of Roman Reigns' career. Like, Cena's talking here, and the one thing about his comeback so far has been that people have really taken to him unanimously for the first time since 2003 as a good guy because he just feels like a believable threat to Roman, 
and everything he's saying has felt true. God, I love being back. God, I love being in front of fans again. Like, this will always be my home, regardless of the films. But, like, people will absolutely buy all that. And then it's you kind of risk telling this audience, you know, one of the few things you invested in when you couldn't even come to the buildings? It's, it's rubbish. It's a lie. It's a fallacy. Like, this is not the Roman Reigns to bury, like the one in 2017 might have been. And I just thought that was... I don't know. Like, it honestly felt like they were going onto autopilot of how yeah. to book John Cena versus Roman Reigns. And I don't know why you would do that. I think, as you say, um, Cena is a believable threat to somebody calling themselves the head of the table. And it's a SummerSlam where you address that once and for all. You don't go back into the worksheet territory on this one. Like, I hope this was a one-off and he's just... He just <laughs> John Cena just says stuff. Like, I hope <laughs> that's what this was and they can get back to business next week. Indeed. Well, we'll talk more about this later on with the contract signing because then we got Rey Mysterio versus Jimmy Uso. Before this, a little bit of a tease. So you're telling me there's a chance. Uh, with Ray and Dominic backstage, Dominic said he'd watch his dad's back. And Ray went, well, you're still a bit of a rookie. Make a few mistakes. Watch, watch and learn sort of thing. You can learn a few tricks from what I get up to tonight. Oh, I know I watched Miller's ups and downs. He's like, I really hope they don't turn him turn him on his dad. I was like, well, I did it do, Simon. And we're getting, <laughs> looks like we're getting close to that because, you know, we've seen, you know, the Mysterious and the Usos interact and have matches quite a lot. So similar sort of stuff here. Uh, I did like the bit where Ray sends Jimmy out to the floor, goes for the sliding splash. Jimmy's moved and then just kicks Ray Mysterious' head right off his shoulders, I think, as we head to a break. Um we saw uh, Jimmy go for a Samoan drop. Ray counters it into the 6-1, or counters it to set up a uh, 6-1-9. Uh, and uh, in the midst of all this, uh, Jay pulls Jimmy out of the ring. So Ray hits a big dive onto the Usos and looks at his son like, you see what I just dad just did? Uh, in the end, uh, Ray knocks down Jay Uso, goes to the 6-1-9 on Jimmy, but Jimmy catches him, lifts him up, but Ray gets out of it, crucifix pin, and Dominic does the thing that the Usos have been doing, the feet on the back thing to help his dad pin Jimmy. Nice little development of the storyline, this. We talked about them having to try to do something to get their edge back on the Usos, and yeah, stealing what they do has worked here. Yeah, I can't really... I, I, don't, I still don't really like the device they've come up with, no. dating all the way back to the kickoff show with the, the feet on the arse. It doesn't look... Like it works, but they're stuck with it now, and so be it. And like they're telling a from the very beginning through to as we have already perfectly booked the very brutal, grisly end of the Mysterios. Um, they're telling a fairly functional story, and they're going to tell it all the way to SummerSlam. I there's not a lot to grab onto here, um, but I can't be too cross with it. It is like as generic as it gets A to B development, mm. but as we've often said when we're doing these WWE reviews, there are plenty of programs that don't even get that. So you kind of you kind of have to give this one a passing grade on the WWE curve. <laughs> uh, next up, it was uh, the SmackDown Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. She was joined in the ring by hey, Kayla! Kayla Braxton. Uh, she chats about Bianca being a champ for over 100 or uh, 110 days. And uh, fans, huge support for Bianca Belair. Always great to hear that because just always slightly worried that the fans will reject some of the best superstars, but no, she is still massively over. Carmella comes out though. What's another title shot? She's had about five, but this one she wants, <laughs> I think, because she held the title for slightly longer than Bianca's got it for right now. She said she lost at Rolling Loud because of the lighting. Uh, Zelina Vega comes out. Has Zelina Vega won a match yet? Uh, now you are asking. I don't think she has. I could. Somebody might 
pick me up on that and she might have she didn't win on her debut did she on her no, return certainly, certainly lost more matches than she's won since coming back she's won, she's won one she's won one if she's won at all yeah regardless she wants a title shot uh carmella and vega are in the ring they jump Bianca Belair, they beat her down, and then Sasha Banks's music hits. She runs down, she makes the save. Huge bap before Sasha Banks uh, clears the ring, helps up Bianca Belair. They hug, they dance. Everything, Michael Hamlet, is fine. I love this because, as we talked about, the one thing about them coming back is that there should be mutual respect between the two, and everything being fine was what I wanted to see. Um, opponents before WrestleMania that have become friends after the fact, thanks to the heat of battle. And I'm sure my actually my um my recording of the show cut out of this. So I'm sure they're going to set up a Sasha Banks Bianca Belair match based on nothing but mutual respect for SummerSlam. <laughs> it's the big, it's the big one I want. Now this was really great, man. Really good. Um, they I don't think they've done a good job at all of booking Bianca Belair, and that response that you noted is so important because it has shown that um fans are really willing her to be the success that we all can see that she should be. The booking of the Bailey feud was abysmal and they only really had one good match as a payoff to all of that. You know, the other pay-per-view match wasn't particularly great and then the injury got in the way of the third one. Um, The build to the original Sasha Banks match will be one of the forgotten chapters in WWE because the payoff was so fantastic. Like the actual story they told on Roots WrestleMania was awful. Mm. So this save followed by the obvious insincerity of Sasha Banks when she was picking her up and going in for the cuddle and Bianca Belair's cautious confusion at the fact that they were mates again. It just told you that, oh, great. Like, we are going to get this, what we're going to get later on. And they've only really got like two, three weeks anyway before SummerSlam. There is no time to WrestleMania this build. Mm. This. Here I I go again. Cut to next week's episode. This, guys, is going to be absolutely fine. Yeah, I was. I went full Morty on this when they later on announced that they were going to tag together. I was like, "You son of a bitch, I'm in." Despite the fact <laughs> that all that, like you say, in the build towards WrestleMania, we all could see where this was going. Whether it was going to be now or next week, with you look at the calendar going, "Well, it's going to be bloody soon." Because SummerSlam's coming yeah. up. There's no way she's fighting Zelina Vega or Carmella for the title. Uh, but anyway, we'll 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 get to that when we get to it because uh, Kayla working hard. She's backstage now with Reginald or. Reggie, call me Reggie. Because they can't have anyone keep the same name for more than a year, apparently. <laughs> um, he's got a 24-7 championship mystery uh, challenger title defence to come. Uh, I did like in the midst of all this, he's turning the 24-7 championship. Obviously, there's a match coming up, but he's talking about how he's always having to look over his shoulder. And some bloke walked behind him and I panicked. I was like, who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> It was just, I think, some production assistant or something walking around. Uh, so anyway, Reggie comes out, uh, gets a decent reaction, flippy bollocks and all that. Uh, and he's going to be facing someone from the Alpha Academy. Otis is there, looking very mean, gets a mic and says, it's not me, just runs through Reggie. Uh, it's going to be him versus Chad Gable. Uh, and for a match that went like a minute and a half, something like that, it just reminds everyone, or should at least, how amazing Chad Gable is. Because, yeah, it was a really straightforward story, but told brilliantly for, you know, a bloody pointless 24-7 championship defence. So Gable's a wrestler, and Reggie flips about a lot. So when he can get his hands on him, 
he gets stuff done. He gets a tiger suplex for a near four, for example. Uh, but Reggie being Reggie, when Gable catches Reggie on the top rope and goes for a huge German superplex, he flips out and sort of lands on his feet. And I mean, I can't remember if he stumbled a little bit, but fair play regardless. He didn't break his own neck, basically, which is exactly what no. happened. <laughs> uh, so Reggie recovers, hits the flip sent on, but in comes Otis, breaks it up, DQ, uh, and Otis throws Reggie, who just inexplicably still lands on his feet, despite whatever you do to him. For for a throwaway bit of bleh, I really like this interaction between the, the three of them. Yeah, it looked pretty. And that's kind of the whole point of Reggie's act because it obscures ev- everything else, all of it. Um, he's hot property in WWE at the moment. He's been given a name change, which means that creative are paying attention. He's the only guy other than John Cena to appear across both brands. So Vince McMahon <laughs> must really like him. That guy on Monday, I want him to cheer me up on Friday too. Um, got a hell of a record huge, as well recently. Yeah, like he just... Huge problems, man. Like, how can there be a DQ in a match where he can be pinned any moment of the waking day? I don't know. Uh, how he can prep himself for a match when, as you say, that production assistant could have tried to roll him up and take his title. Um, this has a very short shelf life and a very low ceiling, but I expect them to push and push and push and push to find that. Um, I would be amazed if this is now reduced by SummerSlam because they are already leaning in so hard on Reggie's acrobatics um, that A, they're going to run out of wrestlers that can exploit the best of that. Your Sasha Banks, your Chad Gables, etc. But B, um, Vince McMahon himself is just going to be like, what have you done for me lately? And he's like, well, boss, like I've defied gravity every single way I can. Right, well, I'm over it now then. And then just jobs him out. And it, like The thing is, it's never going to like be that exciting when he loses because you're going to be reminded that it's just the 24-7 title and he's going to be like no shade on this particular man but like Drew Gulak finally got the better of Reggie mm-hmm. it's like oh okay then cool month you know like oh Artree's finally has been watching and waiting in the ways no. and finds the right moment to no. you know but like that's ultimately this is all redundant stuff and it's like are you in you got to ask yourself are you enjoying Reggie's flips as you've already pointed out the answer is yes so just keep enjoying it until you get bored of it. You know, I, I, 24-7 Championship will always have a special place in my heart for obvious reasons. But I, I just think, don't don't have the one person to beat Reggie be our truth Have it be literally anyone else on this road. Have it be Jackson Riker, right, for all I care. But just have some sort of story. The reason why, you know, like you say, it's completely unimportant. You're never going to make me go, oh, come on, unless one particular person is involved in the 24-7 Championship Challenge, right? But just have fun little stories. Literally, I know they've got this massive team of writers. Give it one guy and just go, you know what? Whatever you book, we'll do. Because it doesn't matter. Because when you had all the stuff with like Drake Maverick and R-Truth, it worked really well. Or Jinder Mahal and R-Truth. Or whatever it is, just have a story that you go, okay, for the next month, it's going to be this. And then the month after that, you do something different. Because it's just, it's a bit of fluff at the end of the day, isn't it? It is, right? So WWE made a tit out of me by burying Baron Corbin in literally the first segment on SmackDown after I put it over. So I'm going to give him the freebie and a chance to make it 1-1 for the two of us. SummerSlam is taking place in Las Vegas, is it not? Mm-hmm. Las Vegas has Cirque du Soleil in residence. 
get Reggie to go back to his old colleagues and have 20 different title exchanges in midair of Cirque du Soleil. Da, 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 da. He backflips into one former colleague who rolls him up. They then trapeze off into the distance. Then they do 64 backflips off somebody's shoulder and the belt just keeps changing hands over and over and over and over again. And who's the only person in the audience watching the circus? It's our truth And he <laughs> pins the most athletic of the bunch. And you see him, you see him, ready for this? Leaving Las Vegas with the 24-7 title. And that's the grand payoff to all of this. Spectacular. You've changed my mind on our truth getting it back now. <laughs> right. An elephant. Get... An elephant wins it. Do they still have elephants <laughs> at circus? Is that the draw Do they even have elephants at Cirque du Soleil? Can elephants do 450s? I don't know. If they are, they should be working for AEW. But like, anyway, I Circus stuff in Las Vegas, our truth leaves with belt. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Let's get to this contract signing though, because that came next. Uh, there's Sonny Deville, there's Postman Pierce, they're stood in the ring. Uh, oh, I've just remembered Postman Pierce. We can't call him that anymore, can we? Oh, it's made me sad. Um, he says, <laughs> I know our contract signings usually go, emotions are high, punches get thrown, but we're going to do this in the most efficient manner possible. So out comes Finn Balor, who gets an incredible reaction. Uh, quite rightly so. Roman Reigns gets the appropriate reaction as well and really takes his time, takes the piss out of two lads dressed as Cena on the front row, position <laughs> himself at the head of the table. There's a big Cena chant. Pat McAfee, by the way, killing the game on commentary. Just fancy chatting for Cena. See, Jeff, Cena's not in the ring. Uh, I don't, I don't. <laughs> so uh, Reigns gets on the mic and says that Mr. Missionary already made his appearance. Uh, and he just just shows. I love how he poisons everyone he comes into contact with. Just says to Bala, "Did you hear what John Cena says? He thinks that I'm <laughs> ducking him because he thinks that it's easier, basically, to face you. He thinks you're a lesser man. But I, I'm, I, I'm all right with facing you. I think you, you're a hungry guy, Finn, and I, I really hope that we have a jolly good match at SummerSlam. <laughs> but if you do sign this contract," I'm going to smash you. I'm going to send you back to NXT. Again, McAfee goes, don't forget, uh, NXT Tuesday nights. Yeah. 
big Roman sucks chant off the back of this. Balor says, you think very highly of yourself, uh, but I would be honoured to win the Universal Championship again. Nice little LTST. And take it back to NXT. Balor takes the lid off the pen. He's about to put pen to paper when all of a sudden Baron Corbin jumps in from, from behind, beats him down, ch chucks him out the ring along with the contract, beats him down a little bit more, gets back in. He's about to sign the contract very quickly because I'm going to get into the scene stuff in a second. I want to give a real nod to Roman Reigns here. I, I realise it requires him to do absolutely nothing, but I love the fact, watching this back again today, all this goes on, guy just gets murdered, and Roman Reigns has not moved a muscle. He's just, just sat there, <laughs> arms folded, watching this going, what's going on here? Anyway, Corbin's about to sign. Cena runs out, beats him up, toys him into the post, pulls out a big blue Sharpie, writes C-E-N-A, signs the contract, and Paul Heyman's face is an absolute picture. The commentators put it over. Is this legal? Is this allowed? Uh, in the back afterwards, Heyman pulls up to... to to Adam and Sonia, and uh, uh, came and points out, well, uh, come on, Finn Balor's name's on this contract, but he's got Cena's signature. What? It's a load of bollocks, this, isn't it? And uh, yeah, Pierce says, no, I see Roman Reigns' signature, and I see John Cena's signature. Good enough for me. It's official. Roman Reigns against Cena <laughs> at SummerSlam. The right match. What do you think of the way that they got to it, though? I thought all of this was okay. Um there is lots of WWE precedent for this actually being a legally binding way to get into a title match. Why don't more wrestlers do it? Um, Shawn Michaels did it to get into the WrestleMania 20 main event, despite the fact that Chris Benoit had gone to the trouble of winning a Royal Rumble after working an hour. So there were like more serious storylines that have used this device than this SummerSlam one. So I'm not going to be too harsh on that. It's daft WWE nonsense, but some, some of the daft WWE nonsense you just have to go with. Um, I thought the... Again, like spinning off a Baron Corbin, Finn Balor program off of this would be great if that wasn't such a challenging story to tell. Mm. Finn Balor, who I know has become the prince and has become an edgier guy, is not the sort of edgy that beats up poor people for sport. Mm. Nobody, no, no baby fish should beat that guy. That's <laughs> MJS trait. But like, it's WWE. And I think, they might have a real struggle on their hands telling that story, especially because the match could go either way, quality-wise. Um, Baron Corbin has not been made rich by this. Far from it. He's now spying quite cynical opportunities to try and climb his way back up the greasy pole. But he's still poor. He's still skint. And now Finn Balor's got to try and be the babyface for what you would assume would be a SummerSlam match, which it could be okay, but... Yeah, it's, it's a good way to get to a story, but I'm not sure how good a job they can do to tell that story is the point I'm trying to make there. Um, John Cena comes in and takes it. Really enjoyed Roman Reigns' face acting. As you say, it was just face acting because not another muscle was moved. Really inspired. I liked the face acting of him being a bit incredulous with Finn Balor, followed by a, a certain, again, semi-obscured relief at Baron Corbin potentially signing the contract, <laughs> followed by that simmering fury of John Cena Getting away with one yet again, this ridiculous man-child has somehow wormed his way into the title match I didn't want to have to have. I, I quite liked all of this. Very, very broad, big, daft, entertaining WWE silliness. Um, but there was, for me, there was worse ways to arrive at it than what they did here. 
yeah, I thought people were being a bit performative when they were saying, what's all this about? Is this, you're not allowed to just, oh, you just go in and do this. Can you just, just jump in and sign a contract? Like you say, it's happened a whole host of times. Mm-hmm. And it does make is... it good, but it does make it a reasonable device to use here. Right. And I'm, I'm a complete hypocrite because I sit here at the start of this show and say, oh, they've ruined Baron Corbin. What have they done? And I've already, in the presses of this review, slightly changed my mind because, like you say, we got Cena versus Reigns at SummerSlam. That's the match we needed. We could have got there a different way. Maybe we could have done it a better way. But yeah, as long as the like, as long as Reigns goes over again, a bit like Belair and, and and Banks, I don't really mind. And then the the Balor Corbin thing. It's the perfect first match potentially for Balor, but it can't go. I was going to say it can't go 15 minutes. It can't go five minutes, really. Balor needs to come back, murk Corbin, and this has been the last vestiges of him thinking, oh, I'm a badass and I can beat everyone up and I win King of the Ring and all that. No. Have him get absolutely schooled by Finn Balor and this just when he thought he'd hit rock bottom the other week, now he's hit real rock bottom. Don't need any distraction bollocks here at SummerSlam. Someone saying, oh, he's, I don't know, gear's been repossessed or some bollocks just have him get smashed say he's put his last money on himself he's backed himself don't have him bet on bala that's dumb that's stupid right and then that's real rock bottom but it's it's a salvage job from from what we saw already you can have some fun with it i think i like the idea of him betting on himself like to try and win, you know, to try and win the match and win the money. You could have um, either Pierce or Deville or even Vince McMahon himself say, "Look, I've seen what's happened to you, but you're still coming to work. You're still getting the bus to work, and you're going to have this match with Finn Balor at SummerSlam, and I'm going to give you a million dollar win bonus, and that becomes Corbin's modus operandi. All he's got to do is win, and he gets a million dollars. And then on the go-home SmackDown, he brutalizes Finn Balor because it's in his best interest to just absolutely destroy him. And then he comes out, first time in months, he's actually, like, he's had a shave. He's still got his ketchup shirt on or whatever, but he's had a shave. He's actually, you know what? Friday was a good night for me. I left Finn Balor laying. I'm cleaning myself up, and I'm going to go to the pay window tonight with a million dollars. He's in the ring. He's waiting. Lights go out, and it's the demon. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> and the camera cuts back to his face and he realizes what he's awakened and he gets splattered by the demon in a minute and a half. One million win bonus up in smoke. Yeah. They, 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 maybe they haven't ruined him. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> 40,000 people. Why would you not want to have the demon at SummerSlam? Yeah, it's a great shout. It's a really good idea, that. Uh, right, let's move on because then we got a uh, trios match, I believe they're called somewhere else. Uh, Big Kinsuke <laughs> Nakamura who is all the way over with this crowd, by the way. Obviously, you've got the Rick Boogs entrance, but once he'd stopped playing guitar, that was still being sung. And it's just so good to hear. Uh, they're taking on all the bastards. Uh, Apollo Crews, Johnny Gallup, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode. This was, I mean, this was a house show match, if we're perfectly honest. It was a bit mm. of filler. But you know what? It's weird. With the amount of time we've had with no fans, I was like, any other time I'd be like, oh, bloody hell, skip, 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 skip. But I was like, this is just seven minutes of just... But all banter fun. You've got 
the, the Nakamura entrance. You've got Cesaro getting a hot tag and just, it just, they just had everything that you wanted in here. He hits Ziggler with the uppercut. He does the swing. He goes to the sharpshooter. Obviously, Robert Roode comes in to make the save. Big E later on comes in and hits Robert Roode with a big ending because keep him strong. He's the money in the bank winner. Cruz goes for a frog splash. Boogs distracts him playing the guitar. Commander Aziz goes after him. Cesaro takes him out with an uppercut. Uh, and then in the end, Cruz goes for the frog splash. Nakamura gets out of the way and hits him with the Kinshasa. One, two, three. It, like I said, it's a it's a house show match that would just pop the crowd. And it did that exact thing for me here. Yeah, I share your enthusiasm with the what is still thankfully a novelty of hot crowds enjoying pro wrestling. Genuinely, I do. Um, I'm also like an old miserable bastard and I have great concerns over their failure to tell not one story for the SmackDown mid-card since crowds <laughs> have returned. And this match was a sort of monument towards that. It's the same in the mid-card of the women's division. It's the same in the mid-card of the men's division. It's the same in the mid-card or undercard, I guess, of the tag division. Nothing, nothing is happening below the belts, uh, below the title feuds. And... Um, I'd like to see more of that because if anything, what this was, was a six man exhibition of characters that are fundamentally over enough that you should be putting them in angles. Like tell me Corbin, Corbin is the exception that there's a story happening below titles, but beyond that, like now it's going on below the championships. Start telling some stories. Eh? I think the easiest thing to do, because like you say, they're looking at that summer slam card and they're going Roman Reigns versus John Cena, Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley, Bianca Belair versus uh, Sasha Banks, uh, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, and Nikki A.S.H. There's all the big, big titles taken care of. Uh, some bollocks with Reggie. Tag <laughs> stuff with the Mysterios and the Usos. And I, I almost forgot who the Raw tag champs are. AJ and Omos, I believe. Mm. But like you say, beyond that, they're like, uh, don't know. So <laughs> have these, if you've got these six interacting now, I know we've just had a ladder match, but... Ladder matches are big bomb, you know, spots. Just toy them into a big ladder match for the IC title if you want, because just give them something, like you say, because otherwise none of them are getting on the SummerSlam card if you're not careful. Mm. You need your money in the bank holder to, to do that. And off the back of a ladder match, you can have someone cost Big E, even though why he'd be going after the IC title, I don't know. But that takes him off in another direction to keep him busy with the briefcase. And uh, you can have Apollo retain if you want. I'm not bothered to just think, just give him something because, like you say, they're concentrating more on other things like Edge and Seth Rollins. This was a weird one. Like, I liked it, but the way they did it was so confusing. So Edge is coming out, making his entrance. He's going to, you know, talk more about the Seth Rollins situation. We go to break, come back. Seth Rollins is stood in the ring. What? Well, during the commercial, Seth Rollins jumped Edge. All the excitement happened then, basically. He beat him up, chucked him around ringside, uh, hit him with a camera on the ramp. Um, and Rollins is now in the ring for proclaiming what goes around, comes around. Uh, he wanted them to air some more of his footage. Uh, they recap more of the feud between the two of them. He talked about the Universal Championship and said if he can't be champion, Neither can Edge. And they were massive. We want Becky Chance throughout all this. <laughs> I, I, I like this. It just felt so weird that they went, yeah, do all the all the excitement during the commercials. I really enjoyed this. Um, and I'll tell you why. When, I, I think we'll remember this, and I think it might go down as an all-timer in company history, 
I think time will be very, very kind to this. Edge's pop was the crowds are back moment, wasn't it? Mm. More so, I think, than John Cena at Money in the Bank was Edge's pop on SmackDown. And then ever since then, they've, and it's to diminished returns because the pops have diminished a little bit, as you would expect. Edge comes out and he goes to both sides and they film up both sides. And if he could, he would shag the noise, wouldn't mm. he? As if it was, as if it was later in 2005. Like he is just consumed by this moment of interaction between the people. It's one that he came back for and then had it cruelly ripped away from him. And that's been, that was like what informed such a massive pop, wasn't it? Mm. Crowds had basically waited since the 2020 Royal Rumble to see him. It hadn't been that he's been a like part-time like TV fixture. So anyway, they're doing this every week. Seth Rollins, the new ultimate opportunist, can't think of a better time to attack Edge than when his guard would be most down, which is in that moment. And I think that's pretty cool because they've laboured on that every week to the point where it's almost getting a bit uncomfortable. You've got Edge kind of grunting down the lens and shouting at you, I want it, I want it! And they're like, give it me now! And it's like, <laughs> all right, mate. Like, <laughs> chill out. But Seth has been watching and I thought that was quite intelligent and quite cruel on Seth's part. Promo wasn't brilliant. Or any time that I'm, I think about a wrestler working hard on Adobe Premiere, to get the point across, is <laughs> <laughs> a sight breaks the immersion slightly. And um, as you say, the Becky stuff was extremely noticeable. Um, are they allergic to showing the footage that the two men keep talking about from 2014? Is it just me? Is it pretty weird that like they keep referencing the roots of all this and not showing it? Like, would it be different if it happened on an episode of Nitro in 1998? Because I've never I trip over that footage on the network, but like, not once have we seen that clip back yet. I think they're trying to do that thing. You remember when, for a while, they did that edit where Rollins won at WrestleMania 31, but Roman Reigns wasn't there. They're trying to edit, <laughs> and he won, and he won with the stomp, and that was banned. Like, you can't have the AW commentator guy in the background, basically. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, it's just I find that yeah, you're probably right. That is probably part of it. Um, and Christians in it as well, actually. Yeah, they've got a lot of editing to do. They're busy. They're going to have to work around Ed. Like, it's just a close-up shot on Edge on the briefcase. You can't even see whose boot it actually is. And they're like, they have to use a, a big yellow arrow saying Seth's foot or something like that, just so you know who it is. Well, that's what they're doing. They're doing a huge deep fake. It's just going to be <laughs> Jamie Noble stood around there. Jamie Noble, there's another Jamie Noble. Big, that's <laughs> just all, just the, the old Triple H's. Yeah, this is how it happened. This is definitely how it happened. Well, well, it's the big Noble. There we go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I really like this. Just get me to SummerSlam with these two. They, they will have to, we've said this a million times, they will have to try really hard to make me not be excited for Seth Rollins mm. versus Edge. And I've seen some footage from him, a uh, house show, acknowledging that we want Becky Chance. So maybe just let him do that on TV. But yeah, credit where credit's due, changing things up. And also, nice for live crowds that, you know, the action doesn't stop. You know, sometimes when they're like, so-and-so's making an entrance. And then they're making an entrance five minutes later. It's nice to see mm. them and get your get your camera phone out and take a photo. But the fact that, oh, bollocks, you can't go to the toilet and miss anything. Yeah, that adds to the live experience. Yeah. So good stuff. Uh, right, main event time. Can Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks coexist as a tag team? Yes, they can. Uh, they defeated Carmella and Zelina Vega in the main event. Uh, the story here was just building, of course, to the back the tag to Sasha Banks. Uh, she runs wild. She hits a meteora. She hits the three amigos. Hits the frog splash. But then Carmella comes in and breaks up the pin attempt. Uh, but eventually, the finish sees Sasha Banks hit the backstabber on Carmella. Uh, bank statement, submission, victory. 
Yay! Send everyone home happy. Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Hug, stand tall, lift each other's arms in the air. Yeah, there's four minutes left on my um, DVR. Yep, exactly what happened. What you thought was going to happen, happened. She, uh, moment Belair, turns her back on her and goes to lift the championship. Makes her look a little bit thick, but uh, I'll allow it. I'll allow it, you know what? Because, like you say, there's the story of mutual respect that they could argue that that's why Bianca Belair thought she could trust her. But yeah, Banks hits her with a backstabber. Uh, she puts her in the bank statement. She just, just wrenches it. Bank, Bianca Belair is is just scrambling all over the place, trying to get out of it, trying to submit. Uh, but Banks eventually lets her go, lays her out, stands tall with the title, and then puts a bank statement on her again as the show ends. Oh, I'm excited for next Friday. Yeah, I thought this was a really good match and a really strong angle. Um, superb way to end the show. So great having Sasha Banks back. Uh, everything she did was just infused with the energy of the live crowd that she obviously has clearly missed. Um, she's picked her spot perfectly here, coming back so soon into this new era. Um, I thought the, I, I don't know, I don't recall if I'm honest, if this, I'm assuming it must have been, quick spawn commentary. Um, this was the building, of course, that Sasha Banks was in, uh, where they had to run the Eddie Guerrero tribute shows so that she ran with the three amigos and the frog splash um, at the end was pretty cool you know just like a, a nice touch knowing what we all know about her relationship with him and things like that Carmella is underrated and I don't think she always gets to show that I think sometimes matches are shaped to get the other person over and I thought she got a lot in here and I, I like I don't know she's the sort of wrestler that gives me faith in the future of this women's division because I at some point kind of like the four horsewomen will have to pass a mantle over and you wonder who's going to be there sort of underneath or at that level. I, I just thought the quality of the work was really strong in this and the angle was great. The, um, as you say, the, the pulled off the turn probably right on the line of risking that Bianca Belair looks stupid mm-hmm. because everyone in the building could feel it. But I think because she just won the match, there was a sense of celebration in the air and everybody in the building was like, all right, they are mates. We were, we were the cynics to think that she was going to turn and then you get the turn. So I think they timed it just about right. Sasha Banks, what she's so brilliant at, well, is everything, but what she's particularly brilliant at is making you find so much uh, rewatch value and you can enjoy the comeback running that she did earlier in the night. Somebody, I want to say it was Myth Gifts, but apology if I've sent a shout out in the wrong direction, highlighted the face Sasha Banks pulled when Carmella tapped out to the bank statement as if to say, yeah, of course she did. I'm the goddamn boss. Mm. The, but there was no like baby face, big smile. It was almost this like, I cannot believe I've had to go through the rigmarole of pretending I care about any of this fluff just to get my belt back and to make my point to Bianca Belair. She's one of the very best. You know, we've not been performative when you're talking about Sasha Banks. It's just one of the elite tier wrestlers in the world. All of this was great. And I see pipe for the SummerSlam rematch. Great that they've booked it. Great that they've not tried to complicate it. This was so good that I went from thinking like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Banks at WrestleMania and then you do Banks again at SummerSlam. And blah. Sasha, I think Sasha might have to win the title. I don't know if it's going to ruin Bianca Belair, but I think putting it back on her and, and having that story being like, yeah, I may be sort of, you know, underprepared for you this time, but you don't know the links that I'll go to and you do the the, the, the the Sasha Banks we saw in NXT who will do almost anything to hold on to that title. And then I think you can take Bianca out of the title picture or do whatever you like. I don't think it's going to ruin Bianca Belair for having her drop the title to someone like, or this version in particular of Sasha Banks, potentially. 
The thing about the horsewomen is um, they're the best for a reason. And we did the Money in the Bank preview. And I was like trying to come up with all sorts of booking reasons why it made sense for Charlotte Flair to win the title. And I think both of us felt a bit of dread in our heart that Charlotte Flair would beat Rhea Ripley. And then that match, man, you wouldn't have complained that either finished by the time that match came to a close. And it like Charlotte Flair's victory felt earned and it felt powerful. And you couldn't believe that it was the payoff to this wretched television feud. Like Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks don't have half the obstacles Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley did to try and make that title change feel convincing. And I, I, I don't think it would be a problem at all. If anything, it sets up a really, really cool decider where Bianca Belair gets to go back to basics for a few months. Um, and that in itself helps the match because it feels legitimately unpredictable. Something that would merit a, I'm not going to do Hell in a Cell, obviously, an Iron Woman match. I'd love these two in an Iron Woman. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That'd be brilliant. Is it physically possible? I've done this thing again. You know when I book stuff and go, uh, yeah, I could probably do that on 2K, so why can't you do it in real life? <laughs> Is it possible to flip out the KOD into a backstabber? Because if that's the case, there's your finish for SummerSlam right there. I mean, I don't She's think going... anatomically possible, but I'm putting it out there and it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> Sasha Banks is going to do a vertical leap over the first hair whip to remember what she couldn't do at WrestleMania and then do a matrix cell as it comes over for the second time in like bullet time, but with hair. That's what we're going to get. They're going to, they're going to slow it down using their like visual trickery to like make it look like whoo, hair swings past the nose and just ever slightly tickles the tip of it. And then on she goes and beats her. Yeah. Oh, well, for a show that I was a bit indifferent about, but aside from the return of Sasha Banks, I've completely changed my opinion, Johnny, through with you. <laughs> your thoughts uh, on SmackDown and where we go from here on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch that. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow me at Adam Wilbur. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We will, of course, have the SmackDown preview for you this Friday. And later on today, me and Hamflit will be previewing Monday Night Raw. But for now, this has been the SmackDown review. My thanks to Michael Hamflit. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.